I like to imagine a world where every child's cry and every child's need is met by a loving adult. And I believe having a professional in public school settings who is trained in trauma care can help create that world. Welcome to Dream Radically Podcast, brought to you by Foundation for Liberating Minds. Dreaming radically is a necessity if we are to reach a world of liberation for all marginalized peoples. Imagining the world we want to see and then fighting like hell to go and get it. Dream radically is a hope, a strategy, a goal of altering the status quo in our quest for social transformation. Join us on this journey. Let's dream. Hi y'all, this is Christine, Creative Director for Foundation for Liberating Minds, and I will be hosting Dream Radically today. On today's episode, Ace of Hearts, we are joined by elementary ed teacher, Natalie Ba, who will be diving into the topic of childhood drama, ACE scores, and their influences in education, livelihood, and society, and her dream for change. Natalie, we're so happy to have you on the podcast today. Go ahead and share just a little bit about yourself, um, maybe just introducing yourself, letting the audience know who you are. Thank you. Thank you for having me here today. I'm eager to share my dream, my hopes with you. I am a fourth year kindergarten teacher in Norman, Oklahoma, and I'm eager to talk more about what I've discovered and kind of what I've seen within the school systems with you. Amazing. Okay. And we're super happy to hear more about your story and how you kind of develop this dream through your own experiences. So we talked a little bit about what your radical dream is. So I like to really start with the why. And so I just like to ask you, why do you have this dream? Where did it come from? Like what experiences kind of led to it developing? So I have worked in various settings just based from college going into my career. You are put into a lot of different schools with different demographics, different income levels. And what I found is no matter what school I was placed in, you have children who are having attention issues or behavior issues that are standing out greatly from the rest. And as you get to know these children and know their stories, you're finding that a lot of them have experienced a childhood trauma of some sort or are still in that toxic stress. So that led me to kind of research into why this happens and what goes on in the brain and what's happening in their little bodies and their little brain and what is really happening in children who have experienced trauma during these early years alters their building block years of their brain. And it can affect the brain even at the most basic levels. So it can harm your nervous or your endocrine systems. It affects the immune systems. And such exposure to this toxic stress starts to almost alter the physical structure of their DNA, which can have harmful effects on things such as attention or impulse behavior, decision-making, learning, emotion, and response to stress. So children going up under these conditions struggle to learn and even complete school sometimes by that high school level. And it really led me into seeing what that creates into adulthood. And there is so much research that has already been done. It's almost like we have the skills to prevent this, but I don't see that being implemented in the public school system. And so you kind of talked about, you know, what are these effects that childhood trauma carries over into our education? into our lives and even adulthood, just for people who maybe don't have a psychology background, can you go into what ACE scores are and how exactly people evaluate trauma in children? So in 1990s in LA, there was a study on ACEs or what stands for 
adverse childhood effects. And in the study, health professionals discovered that early trauma, especially trauma that is reoccurring or what they refer to as toxic stress, an extended activation of your stress response system starts to predict actually chronic health problems in an adult. So it compromises that immune system and it speeds up disease processes and even aging. There was a doctor there, Dr. Robert Ada, who worked with the CDC and he works with the Prevention ACEs study. And he states that, you know, this information needs to be told to everybody because what is predictable is preventable. I mean, there's research everywhere you can find. CDC has a program for it and um, a lot to try to prevent the ACEs, but I'm looking on the back end of it with if the ACEs are occurring or have occurred, now what do we do? But it can affect all areas of life, physical, like I said, emotional, academic, professional. So you're seeing that effect in the you know education system as they're younger, but as they age out, those effects of the ACEs or trauma doesn't stop. So it's carrying into adulthood, higher levels of substance abuse and attempts of suicide. There's outrageous data, which we can go into that we know this happens. So what can we do earlier on to try to prevent the kind of spiral effect of what it can do? So we've talked a little bit about some of those individual effects that occur. Mm -hmm. What are some of the societal or broader implications that you see that unaddressed childhood trauma may have? So it has been stated, you know, children's exposure to these ACEs is the greatest unaddressed public health threat of our time that we don't realize is right under our noses. And the CDC states that 62% of adults surveyed over 24 states report that they've experienced at least one ACE during childhood and nearly one quarter reported they had three or more. So not only does this affect the health and well-being of a person, but also the opportunity. So they, the exposure disrupts their healthy brain development, their social development, their immune system, and often leads to a great use of substance abuse. There's evidence that I've confirmed these exposures increase your risk of injury, STDs, including HIV, mental health problems, you know, maternal and child health problems, teen pregnancy, sex trafficking, a wide range of chronic diseases in the leading cause of death, such as cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and even suicide are higher in people that have had ACEs occur to them under the age of 18. So that is kind of in a health standpoint, but it also negatively impacts their education, their employment, their earning potential. So it's said that the total economic and social cost to families, communities, and society is in the hundreds of billions of dollars each year because of all of these factors that play into it. So it's affecting society as a whole, even just down to that little piece of opportunity that is taken. So now we've kind of talked about just a a general overview of what childhood trauma does to people on an individual basis and on a broader uh, societal basis. I kind of want to get into you and how you realized this dream for yourself, how you were exposed to this issue and what that process has looked like for you. So I would love to hear about any maybe experiences that you've had teaching or within the Oklahoma education system or just with children who have experienced trauma that have helped you kind of realize this problem that we have and why you feel this earnest need to see a change. 
it's hard to describe as a teacher what it looks like to have this little love that yeah. just wants your connection and wants your love, but doesn't understand what's going on right. in their body. So if you think of us as right. adults, when we deal with stress, we know what's happening. You know, we know what right. we need. We know how to calm our bodies down. These right. children don't know this. And that the fact that it's altered their brain leads them to be often what they name themselves as the bad kid. So you have got the kiddo that's acting out or the kiddo that can't form a relationship with another student and can't do their work because they can't focus. And so I think often you have teachers that don't understand that and are seeing it as a misbehavior rather than what I call a mistaken behavior. So in undergrad, that was really difficult for me in different settings to observe and not know the why. You know, I kept thinking there has to be more to this story than what we're seeing. You know, I was seeing kiddos that would just hit themselves in their head and I'm stupid and I'm stupid and I'm stupid because they couldn't do the work their peers were doing, but it wasn't their fault. And you can't explain that to them in that way of there's a lot going on at your house and not your other friends. And that's why this is so difficult. So to me, there's just like snippets that, you know, you can't get out of your head at night that you're like, how do I connect with this kid and how do I empower them? Um, in the past few years, I have been working at a private school in Norman that has smaller numbers and is a higher income families. And I'm actually still seeing some of the same behaviors out of particular students. And we found some different things that had occurred to them and they're needing the same type of love and the same type of intervention. So I don't think it's necessarily one group of people or one demographic. I think this is a huge problem across the board. And it's almost heartbreaking because as a teacher, you don't have the time to pour in the connection and the love and the training that you need to meet these children's needs. However, they're not going to be able to perform and learn academically until that need is met and that connection is repaired. So it's almost like you're in a sticky situation where I don't have the time because I'm teaching this many other students with this other many demands to meet this kid where they need they're also never going to be able to be a part of the group in its entirety until that need is met. So I think just seeing this over and over again in little snippets of different behavior, you know, you have kiddos that are throwing chairs or you have kiddos that are like reclused and won't come out of the cubby or you have a child that likes to hit other kids and you can't figure out why and it's just because they don't like people in their body space for reasons that have occurred at home. And so I think that just seeing this time and time again in different ways led me to be like, there has to be more. There has to be an easier way to do this. And actually, the idea kind of sparked when we were having our speech pathologist come in. You know, as a teacher, I identify what I would say is abnormal through tests of speech. And then she comes in and pulls them out a few days a week and works on that specific skill and then puts them back in the classroom. And I'm like, this could happen, but with a social emotional piece, which is almost the biggest need in early childhood, you know, K through fifth, I think that there is. So that is how it came to be in my mind. You know, there's a lot of steps in between there, but that's kind of the big aha, specifically in Oklahoma, that I was like, this needs to be happening. And as you came to that realization, was there any kind of as you devolved into the research and maybe the statistics, anything that popped out? that kind of help you hone that path and narrow down what you want to focus on? I did some training through the Karen Purvis Institute at TCU on 
something called TBRI, which is a trust-based relationship intervention. And it's an attachment-based trauma-informed intervention that's designed to meet the complex needs of vulnerable children. And so they were doing a big workshop for teachers um, and they use empowering principles to address physical needs, connecting principles for the attachment needs and correcting principles to kind of disarm those fear-based behaviors you see in children. Because of the histories of those children that have experienced trauma, their bodies have changed, their brains have changed, their belief in systems and their selves have changed. There's a variety of strategies that TBRI uses, you know, if they do this, do this, um, that helps meet the unique needs of children that have experienced trauma. But at the same time, I use that in my classroom for kiddos I think need it. I've also found that it kind of works with any child because it's a nurturing, trusting relationship with what we call a safe adult. So I think that that really led me to this program could be implemented district-wide somewhere with a few trained professionals that go into various schools and really make a difference, really create a safe adult that is there, that comes every week, and that's working through those behaviors and those feelings and kind of helping you understand what's going on in your body. So I did a lot of research and there is currently a program called Cognitive Behavioral Intervention for Trauma in Schools, but it's used fifth through 12th grade and Oklahoma hasn't adapted it. It's in different states. But my belief is that that early intervention K through fifth is almost needed immediately to kind of start addressing those problems, especially if some of those children are still in that toxic stress. I think beginning to kind of work through it could be very helpful. That's a great segue into kind of what does this dream look like in reality? So kind of what the results of all that research, all that data, and even your own personal experiences What does this position that you kind of want to see happen where an individual is employed by a school and specializes in trauma and childhood conflict transformation? What does that look like? I think that it would need a lot of support from admin and teachers. In reality, this position would need support from the teachers to help identify these students, the specific children who would benefit from trauma care. And there is a lot of different assessments that have been created that teachers could use, you know, adapt these three. And if you're seeing these behaviors, they might could benefit from this. I think that openly talking about that with admin, with teachers, what you're looking for, um, what you might be seeing as a misbehavior or a bad kid might actually be this, this, and this. I think that training teachers to identify that is huge. Um, having those workshops with them, letting them know the language that you use, like as the trauma-informed person that they could also use in the classroom and translate that to home as well. I think the teachers would be used to identify it. And then I think professionals trained in what I think TBRI would be the best used by the Karen Purvis Institute out of TCU would start to meet with those children, depending on their needs daily, meeting with them individually, meeting with them in small groups, and then kind of going from there. I don't think you would need a specific individual per elementary. I think you could use the same person kind of going to different schools or different areas in the way that often speech pathologists are used. 
I do think it would make a world of difference. I do think having more informed teachers that not only know what they're looking for and how they can support, but also know they have somebody else that they can say, I'm seeing this, this, and this, what can I do here? And can you come see them twice this week or whatever that might be, would be beneficial for both the children and the peers in the classroom and the teacher to have that support. And I think it's super cool to hear about kind of how you're tackling this issue. But as you've spoken, it's clearly an issue that pervades all of our spheres and all of our domains and has long-term effects, whether we're working with children or whether we're working with adults, there are still effects that carry over. And so how do you think we can make childhood trauma maybe more openly discussed and prioritized both within the education system and just in daily life? I think a lot of stigma behind trauma is that we don't want to say it happens to our kids. We don't want to say they've been through this or, you know, it's these really scary, big things. And I think the more that teachers, administration, you know, people in the community realize that this is a real thing and this is a real problem. We have the statistics and we can prevent it. We can begin to connect with those students, with those families and recognize the why behind the behavior. I think often it's avoided because it feels like you're pointing a finger, when in reality, we can say, honestly, trauma at the lowest level is just anything less than nurturing. And so, you know, when those things get worse and worse and worse, you have a lot going on, but anything less than nurturing, we could say to a child's brain is trauma. So I think just knowing more, seeing more, I think maybe erasing that perfection we need to be as parents or teachers or families and just having, you know, kind of the heart to step up and say something's going on here. I do think that would be a little bit of a challenge within the system in this program would be getting the back in with parents. How would we word this and form this so they're not feeling attacked that their kiddo is being pulled out for this and kind of, you know, Being sensitive to those needs, but also we have the data that this is going to make a huge impact on our world if we can start to fix this problem at a young age. So I think it needs to be talked about a lot more. I think there's a lot that needs to be changed within the public school system. I think that it's kind of been used as a a band-aid of a lot of different things for society, but I think this is somewhere that it could be used for good because these children do need to go to school and they aren't getting the education they need because of everything that's going on outside of it. So thank you, Natalie, for sharing about this issue, just kind of giving us a little bit of a baseline education on a very deep, very difficult topic. Are there any other points that you want to just leave our audience with as we wrap up today? I think creating a sustaining, safe, nurturing relationship with all children is important, whether that be through the school systems or a mentoring program. It is our job as adults to help create the world that we needed when we were younger. So I hope that this helps get the message out that there are these big systematic problems going on with our children and we know what to do to prevent them which will help not only the child grow, but their opportunity and what they can give back to our society as a whole. Um, So I'm excited to share kind of my tidbit of what I've discovered and kind of see where that goes when others start to recognize what's going on with our children. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing this dream with us. I hope it becomes part of our own little dreams and that we work to see 
and address childhood trauma in our own domains, whatever that may look like. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thanks, Christine. Thank you for listening to Dream Radically Podcast brought to you by the Foundation for Liberating Minds. Learn more about the work of Foundation for Liberating Minds at our website, foundationforliberatingminds.org, our social media pages at Foundation4LM, and consider getting connected with the podcast and all our members by supporting this work through our Patreon, patreon.com slash foundation4LM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the pod wherever you're listening. Power, and may tomorrow bring us closer to our radical dreams.